Amen. Go ahead and grab a seat real quick. Welcome to the Vineyard. I'm Pastor Joe. Glad to have you here with us. Hey, it is 2021. Can you believe that? It is 2021. There are no flying hoverboards. There are no Jetson cars. There, Mad Max was set in 2021. If you're familiar with that, I'm not saying go watch it. I'm just saying that's when it was the time frame. It was supposed to be either an apocalypse or we're supposed to be flying around in cars, not driving around in them on the, the, the streets and stuff like that. Well, listen, uh, I, I want to encourage you. I'm glad that you're here. I'm glad that you're joining us out there um, from your homes and things on your, your devices and your TVs and whatnot. We are glad to be a congregation together. We are here. The Lord has brought us thus far. We could take some rocks and begin to pile them up and say, this is our Ebenezer. Thus far has the Lord brought us, and that would be a good thing. Last week, we ended saying, hey, we need to kind of leave 2020, and if we're going to leave 2020, we need to leave 2020 well. And we talked about the idea that you've got to be willing to... um, um, set aside your bitternesses and, 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 and give forgiveness to people that have hurt us. You've got to be willing to honestly look at your sin yourself. And again, we're not bashing you. We're just saying that there's a place that Joe Wood has got to honestly forgive people and not hold bitternesses. I have to honestly go to the mirror and look in my life and say, you've got to let go of your sin, recognize that I'm a sinner. And then that's what's behind us. And then if we're going to move forward and enter into 2021, we've got to decide that we're going to be obedient to the word of God. We, we just, I mean, that's just what we've got to do. We've got to make Christ the center, and we've got to see, say obedience is incredibly important. So that was last week, and, and I want to kind of hang on to that at the same time that we are in 2021. This is, I love being in 2021. It's great. You know why? Because it's not 2020. Okay, <laughs> seriously, I'm glad to be in 2021. And I'm like, Lord, I know you are walking with me. Can I just say, that when we look at 2021, do me a favor and don't get jaded by politics. Don't get jaded by um, public opinions. Don't get jaded by social media. Uh, And listen, I'm the first one, you know, I'm the first one that's got to be careful of all that. All I'm saying is, Good things happened in 2020. And thank those of you that said, hey, just just post a picture of one good thing that happened in 2020. I'm not saying 2020 wasn't difficult. All I'm saying was the kingdom of God continued to move forward. We did baptisms down at the creek. We saw people surrender their life to Jesus online and in person. We continued to see the kingdom of God move forward. And so we recognize that even in the midst of it all, God is still doing things. And we don't want to look back and say, God, you screwed up 2020. We want to recognize that when it all broke loose and was flying all around everywhere, God said, watch and let's get creative and let's do ministry to people, with people and for people. And that's the way I choose to look at 2020. But now I want to let that go and I want to encourage you to stop and begin to ask yourself, what do you want from, and I think this is an okay question, what do you want from 2021? What do you want? When you think about entering into 2021, what do you want from 2021? Because 2020 showed us that there are some things in our lives that really aren't that important, right? And there are some things in our lives that we should prioritize a little more. People, 
I don't know about your Christmas, but my Christmas was uh, filled with joy. It was filled with laughter. It was uh, filled with so much noise that I was looking for a chance to escape it just once in a while. But it was filled with people. It was still filled with helping other people that weren't our family. We, we, for me, I have to look for Christmas as an opportunity to say, whose life, where can we go bring Christmas and tell people Jesus loves them? Where can we do that? And, and I want to thank uh, God that I get to be a part of a church that wants to do that, uh, and it's made up of individuals like me that want to do that as well. And I just want to continue to encourage you to be that kind of people. But what do you want from 2021? I want to share with you, uh, 11 and a half years ago, we planted this church in August. August 23rd um, was our first service ever. We started with two services. We were in what's called the old Kawasaki building, if you've been in Richmond long enough. It's, uh, it's also where the old uh, suntan place used to be, over there behind um, Miller's Tire um, by Coles. It's, it's in that blue building. Well, I don't know if it's blue anymore, but it used to be blue behind there. And so what we did was, um, four weeks prior to launching our church, we rented that building. And on Sunday nights, we, we did four messages out of the book of Matthew 14, which is where we're going to be today. And it was called Church Planting on the Sea of Galilee. What can we learn about being faithful um, from the story of Peter and Jesus walking on the water? Now, I'm not just going to regurgitate that message to you, but that story has always intrigued me. And, and those of you that know, it's because, it's because Jesus said, Peter, come, and Peter jumped out of the boat. You know, and I'm just that guy. It's like, yes, let's put on flying squirrel suits and jump off the cliff. Let's uh, put on bungee stuff and jump off the bridge. Let's do that kind of stuff. Let's live right at the edge of, well, okay, stupidity. Let's live right there and say that we experienced life and squeezed every drop out of it, not, hey, I know a guy that did that. Let's be the guys that did that. No gender intended there, okay? Let's be the people that do it. And so as we look at this, I, I, I was thinking about and praying over this particular message. And I said, Lord, and the Lord just quickened my heart uh, about the story in Matthew 14. So I, I began to look at it again. And so I want to talk to you about um, what do you want from 2021 that we can learn from Matthew 14 that's different than the church planting one, okay? But let's look at that. That's where we're going to go. So if you're at home, you might want to open up your Bible. I, I like to have a Bible. I don't have the one I usually do because my wife, who loves me so much, sent it off somewhere to get a new cover put on it because, well, let's just be honest, it, it's a good thing that it's so worn out, but it's also a little embarrassing. You know, it's like, hey, you know, you could have a nice Bible up there. All you have to do is pay to have it recovered. So she did. But anyway, get your Bible ready. Get your, your implement, you know, your implement of spiritual um, uh, warfare out so that we can, like, read on our iPhones and iPads and whatever I things you have. Um, and if you don't have an I thing, it's okay. God still loves you. There is still a place in heaven for you. Do not be afraid if you have an Android. It's okay. You can still get to heaven. Um, it's all good. So, set up. John, uh, Matthew 14, here's the setup. John the Baptist, that theologically most people believe is Jesus' cousin, okay, has been beheaded. <laughs> That's the setup for our story today. He's been beheaded. He was in prison. You know what he was in prison for? He was in prison because he kept standing up and shaking his fist in the face of the governor and telling him that he had no right for that woman to be his wife or to live with him uh, if they were married because that was his brother's wife. And so you say, oh, well, that's not a good thing to do. No, 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 no. He was in prison. How many times and how loud do you have to say it? How much screaming and hollering do you have to do to catch so much attention that the governor throws you in the prison? 
You might say the king, but when Paul got arrested, they all stood up and said, we have no king but Caesar, and let's just recognize that Caesar was the king back then, and they were in an occupied territory. This guy was the governor, okay? And so John kept shaking his fist in front of um, the, the governor's face, and so they threw him in jail. Later on, the governor's wife that you know, took the most offense to it um, in, in the course of events, and we don't need to go into that story, ended up having John's head cut off. At the point that John's head got cut off, somebody ran to tell Jesus, to give him the story. So the setup as we begin it is that Jesus has lost a family member. He's lost a loved one, and he wants to take a break. And he tells the 12, come with me, we're going to go off to a solitary place, and they're going to go up on the mountain, and they're going to sit, and they're going to be quiet, and they're going to rest, okay? So he heads off to a solitary place. But ministry does not very often stop. And the desire or the need for ministry doesn't stop just because pastors and you, and you, you're supposed to be doing ministry, get tired. And there's a lesson to be learned there that I won't get into, that when ministry opportunities present themselves, you strike while the iron's hot and rest when you can. See? So Jesus does just that very thing. I mean, my wife and I, we, we were very thankful for the time that we had off um, over the Christmas break, the way we set things up, and the staff got to have a little bit of a break. But the truth of the matter is, it's not unusual for our phones to ring at 9 o'clock or 10 o'clock at night, or for one of us to be on a device of some sort, typing something out, and probably the most often you know, question that you'll hear in that circumstance is one of us will say to the other one, is that work or is that fun? Does it need to be done tonight or does it not? And generally speaking, if we're on our, our implement interacting with you, it's because it needs to be done tonight. You, you, you're, you're going through something, you need some prayer, you need some care, you need some love, you need a scripture, you need whatever we can possibly do, and we're going to try to do it before we, we get off. Ministry just never stops, and it didn't for Jesus either, and he wanted to go off to a solitary place. Um, he'd been ministering to people, couple that with the fact that his, his cousin lost his head, and, and now he just needs to grieve, he needs to be alone, and then the scripture says that all these people chased after him and followed him and saw where he was, and so he sets aside his need for grief and, and, and rest and says, I'm going to spend my time ministering to these people. And we know that because of how this unfolds. And you know this story is the feeding of the 5,000. But let's just be honest, and if you've been around long enough with this church, um, you know that uh, we, do, we do special math, okay? We do new math. We do new math at this church, okay? Some of you are familiar. You've got kids that do new math. Okay, so we do new math. The scripture says it, the, that there were 5,000 men besides women and children fed that day. So if there's 5,000 men and half of them are married, which would not be unusual, that were up at 7,500, if half of that group of people um, had a one child, you know, that's another 1,250, not the 700, but the, the ones that are married. If half of them um, um, have a child, then that's another 1,250. So the truth of the matter is we're looking at the feeding of the almost 10,000. Can, can you go there with me? We're looking at the feeding of the almost 10,000. It's 5,000 men. Don't take my word for it. It's in the scripture. It's 5,000 men besides women and children. So that's the, the group of people that is there, okay? And so you know this is that. And so um, four things that I want to share with you real quick that I do think are very important, not just to us as a church or, you know, for the pastor to say on Sunday morning because it's spiritual. I'm talking about your marriage. I'm talking about your job. I'm talking about your education. I'm talking about your relationships. What do you want from 2021? You can apply this to all of them, okay? Seriously, if you will be honest and stop whining and making excuses, and I love you so I can say that, okay? You will be surprised what will happen to your life if you will take me at my word that I asked God and he told me to share this with you. Are you ready? Jesus focuses 
on his immediate followers first. We don't often like to think that, but that's the truth of the matter. Jesus focuses on the church first. These are the people. He said to them, let us go off so that we can, okay? He wants to take them off so that they can do this. And so he takes them off, and they're going to go up on a mountain, and he's going to deal with them first. He sees this. Read the story for yourself in Mark 6 or in Matthew 14. But he sees this as a teachable moment. Jesus sees a teachable moment where he's going to instruct his disciples He's not trying to instruct necessarily all of these people. He wants to get something across to his disciple. He ne Jesus never loses sight of the fact while he's teaching, okay, that he is going to die, leave, and send the Holy Spirit to fill the people that are willing to be his disciples. So even when he's doing this, that's on his mind, okay? Focus first on the people closest to you. All right, you want a good marriage? You want to raise wonderful children? You want a great job. You want a great education. Focus first on those that you have the most influence with that are near you, that you get to love on and care about. Focus for never stop dating your spouse, ever, on a daily basis, every Friday, every Thursday, whatever your day off is. It's date day. Don't let anybody interrupt it, okay? Not even the children. And don't take them. It's not a date if you take your children. Don't come to me and say, we had a date. We took the children. Eh. The evidence says no, you did not have a date. You had children with you and had a family outing. That is not a date, okay? Focus first. The next thing that happens is Jesus asks for an assessment. Assess your life. What do you have? The people that followed Jesus, what did they bring? Money, food, blankets? God wants whatever you have to be invested in whatever he's asking you to do. In your job, in your marriage, in your relationship, and especially in your relationship to him. What are you investing? Some of you are talented singers. Some of you are talented um, musical people. Some of you are talented teachers. Some of you are talented administrators. Some of you are talented financial people. Some of you are incredibly talented at inviting people to church, but you won't do it. Or don't always do it. I'm not here to beat you up. I'm just saying, Jesus is saying, he, he brought the disciples and said, what do you have? He, he wants you to assess, what do you have? Look at your life and honestly say, what do I have that can be used to make my life better in 2021 as I chase after Jesus and see him do things in my life? The third thing is Jesus sets the agenda. There's no way around this, okay? It's called obedience. Jesus sets the agenda. First, in the book of Mark, it says he began to teach them. So Jesus has the agenda. All these people are following Jesus, and he says, sit down. I want to talk to you. Can you imagine the people are like, oh, dude, don't talk to us. Just heal us. Just heal us. Come on. Just heal us. Don't talk to us. Don't Just feed us. Just feed us. Just feed us. Don't talk to us. Just give us. Give us. Give us. Isn't that the way we do God all the time? Don't talk to me. Don't ask something of me. Just give me, give me, give me. And Jesus said, no, sit down. Sit down. Not only did he say sit down, he said sit down in groups of 50 and hundreds. Sit down in groups of 50s and hundreds. That's what he said. And then finally, Jesus ignited the church. Once again, he never forgot that his mission on this planet was to ignite the church and start the fire of salvation. This has all been the lead up to our story. Jesus is in the moment, but he is also thinking through the cross, through the resurrection and the ascension back to heaven, and he is preparing us while he is feeding those 10,000 people. And he wrote this thing down. And when it's all done, and there's a whole sermon there, 
12 basketfuls. 10,000 people were fed until they had their fill, the scripture says. And 12, excuse me, basketfuls were picked up after everybody was full. Nobody died from starvation that day. But the disciples suggested that it was a possibility. And nobody did. In that obedience, in those four areas, incredible things were allowed to happen. And it was awesome. So we're all done. Jesus is all done doing that. And then verse 22 of Matthew 14 starts. Are you ready? Immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After, pay attention to all the words and the picture of what's going on, okay? After he had dismissed them, all the people, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. See, there he is, grabbing his time for rest from ministry. To pray. He just wanted to be with his dad, with God. When evening came, he was there alone. Evening starts at 6 o'clock. Just so you know, evening starts at 6 o'clock um, for, our, for our biblical study here. All right. When evening came, he was there alone, but the boat was already a considerable distance from land. It was buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. During the fourth watch of the night, that's 3 o'clock to 6 o'clock at night, during the middle of the night, um, Jesus went out walking to them on the lake. When the disciples saw him on the lake, they were terrified, and they said, ah, it's a ghost. I added the ah. It just says it's a ghost, okay? But they were terrified, so there's a good chance they said, ah. Then they cried, uh, then they said, and cried out in fear. Then Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, he has diarrhea of the mouth. He's always talking when he should be listening, okay? Just always do it. Okay, tell me to come to you on the water. Jesus doesn't hesitate. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to seek, he cried out and said, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand to him and caught him. You of little faith. Now, he's not chastising him. He's not being ugly to him. He's just saying, oh, Peter, oh, Peter, <laughs> your faith, it's so fickle. Uh, why did you doubt? Why did you doubt? And when they had climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those that were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. And that's our story. That's the story that we're looking at this morning. And if I'm going to share with you something, I'm going to share you this, okay? Isn't it amazing that Jesus sometimes makes us do things that we don't want to do? You say, what? You, you read right past that, didn't you? Let me read that to you one more time. Immediately, not the whole thing. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get in the boat. Now, if you look it up in the Greek, that word means he compelled, he forced, commanded, or demanded that they get in the boat. They didn't want to get in the boat. You only have to force somebody to do something when they don't want to do it, right? When you took your little children and it was time for Christmas and you're like, hey, we're going to grandma's. Man, they were out that door trying to get in the car. And when you said, okay, we're going home, they're like, no. And then you said, get in the car. And they said, no. And they laid on the floor and threw a little fit. And you grabbed them by the short hairs on the back of their head. And you walked them out to the car and you opened that door and you compelled, forced, and made them to get in the car and shut the door. Said, we're going home. That's how it's going to be. you got to understand that when you read your Bible, the words that are there are not accidental or incidental. They're there on purpose. And that word right there says that Jesus took them down to the shore and made them, forced them to, read it that way, forced them to get in the boat. Because they're fishermen, the most of them. They understood, they could read the signs. They knew there was a storm coming. These, these, these disciples, most of them, they were fishermen. Their fathers were fishermen. Their grandfathers were fishermen. You don't have to force somebody to do something that wants to do what you want them to do. 
And so that should strike our hearts when, when disciples that are saying, Jesus, I'll follow you ever, anywhere. He says, get in the boat. And they say, no. And he has to force them to get in the boat. Because they knew. I believe with every bit of a breath inside of me, they knew there was going to be a storm on the sea that night. That's how they made, and by the way, you fish on the Sea of Galilee at night if you want to fish. Hence the song from Sunday school, they fished all night and caught no fishes. Right? There it is. Okay. And so that's what's going on. And that's the picture. Two o'clock to four o'clock or three to six in the morning, Jesus comes walking out on the water. He's trucking out across the, the way. There's big waves, big waves, big waves. Isn't it crazy? Jesus is up on the mountain. At six o'clock, he's up on the mountain. And he can look out on there. And they've been rowing. They've been rowing. At six o'clock, he could see the waves and, and the wind. And they were rowing and rowing. And then... Eight to ten hours later, he goes out to them. They only had to go three and a half miles. They were, if they were lucky, a mile and a half from shore. And they had spent eight to ten hours doing that. They were exhausted. And they look out across the Sea of Galilee, and honestly, there's no street lights on the Sea of Galilee. Okay, we're all good with that. There's no street lights. So big storm, clouds, wind. Waves crashing, threatening them, and here comes Jesus. Now, how can we see Jesus in the dark at 3 o'clock in the morning on the Sea of Galilee? Because he had just been with God. And if it's anything like being in the Mount of Transfiguration with other people that had been in heaven, Moses and Elijah, then he had the Shekinah glory of God on him. It's like Moses going up on the mountain. Moses goes up on the mountain, and he's with God, and the, and the Israelites say, you need to put a blanket on yourself. We can't stand this glowing thing. So if you'll let me be casual a little bit, here came Jesus glowing, walking on the water. And he was close enough to their boat that he looked out, the, Peter looks out there and the disciples and they said, ah, and I, I just got to put that in there, okay. Ah, it's a ghost. Why did they think it was a ghost? Because he was glowing in the middle of the night, in the dark, on the Sea of Galilee. And he's walking, big waves, and he's walking on them like it's nothing. Real people don't walk on waves. Therefore, it must be a spirit. And, and Jesus says, whoa, 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 it's me, it's me. And Peter said, Lord, if it's you, tell him to come out there. And Jesus says, come. And I love that Peter throws his leg, doesn't even hesitate. But there's a question here that you need to ask yourself. And you need to wrestle with it in, in your everyday real life. There were 12 people in a 30-foot boat with no motor in it and no motor on it. The only way to propel it was with a sail or with oars. And you didn't want the sail up during a storm like this, so they were rowing. And they had been rowing all night, 10 to 12 hours, 8 to 10 hours, whatever it was. They had been rowing. And Jesus says, come to me, and Peter jumps out of the boat. Because in Peter's heart, mind as a fisherman, that boat's going to the bottom of the Sea of Galilee. Why didn't the other 11 get out? When they saw Peter walking on the water... Ask yourself, why didn't they get out of the boat? You know, there's always people that are like, uh, Peter, you can't walk on the water. Stop doing it. <laughs> there's always somebody that will tell you, no, you can't do that. No, when God says do something, build an ark. Oh, that's stupid. Let's mock him, Peter says. Peter says that Noah was mocked for building the ark. Yeah. There's always somebody not doing it that will tell you you can't do it or you're doing it wrong. <laughs> But they won't help you or they won't do it. Eleven guys sat in the boat and watched this unfold. I don't know about you, but if the Lord ever does this to me, I will either have a sermon illustration like nobody's or I will drown because I am getting out of the boat. I'm that guy. 
Let me jump off the cliff. Let me jump off the bridge with the bungee. Let me jump. I want to squeeze every minute of every... I, I don't want to watch life. I want to live it. I want to live it. So there's that moment that I want to talk about for the next couple of minutes. And it's that moment when Jesus says, come. It's that moment. Come. It's like getting engaged. Those of you that have asked somebody to marry you or those of you that have been asked, when you don't know it's coming, because now it takes a real big production, right? And I'm not here to throw rocks at anybody, but, you know, it takes a massive production to ask somebody to marry. It used to be in my day that, you know, when she got in the car, you say, hey, girl, you want to marry me? You know, you get real romantic. What's up? Here's some roses. You want to marry me? You know, and she says, and in that second, you're like, she's going to say No. And then she says yes, and it's like, whew, that was close. But there's that, there's that production now. You got to have a cameraman, you got to have a videographer, you got to have a, a drone flying around, you got to have like, you know, your whole church has to come out, be hiding in the bushes and be real creepy and stuff. And then you got to have like um, candles for half a mile out through the woods down at the gorge. And you got to do all that stuff, or it, it's, you didn't really ask her, okay? You got to be, I, I just wanted to say this in a sermon one day, you just got to be bougie about it, okay? <laughs> You just got to be all red-souled about it. You know, you just got to be bougie, okay? And it's like, no, 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 no. Can you imagine? Can you imagine if people treated the invitation of Jesus to come the way we sometimes hear that people treat getting married? Ah, I don't know. Give me some time to think about it. <laughs> just a minute. Let me talk to my girlfriends and see, is this going to be a good idea for me? And should I do this or not? Should I? You know, and we start, you know, we start. Can you imagine Jesus getting that kind of an answer? Can you imagine Jesus saying, listen, I want to ask you to come follow me, but just a minute. I'm lighting these candles. Just follow the candles. Just come this way. You know, I've got Peter's got a camera. He's going to take a picture of you when you say yes. You know, it's like, can you imagine? No. There's that moment. There's that moment. When you ask, it's that, that moment after the ask and before the answer. That's the one that's going to change your 2021. That's the one. What you do in that breath of a moment is going to begin to set the tide for 2021. When Jesus asks, come, get out of the boat, it's a yes or no. It's not a maybe, it's not a give me time, it's not a hey, let me go bury my parents first. It's a right now, are you going to follow me? Are you going to come? Listen, 2020 was a storm. Can we just admit that? Again, good things happen. But it was a storm. It was a raging, crashing, violent storm that God found time in each of our lives to do amazing things and bring us to this place right here. But if we're going to enter 2021 to be a better year, a big year, a year of winning, and I'm talking to you guys out there too, then this is going to be our word for 2021. You have to yield to Jesus. You have to yield. Okay? And this is what it looks like. We have to hear Jesus. We have to hear him. 
The disciples are in a boat. They're struggling. There's no, let's talk about whether we should get on the boat. I need to understand the theology of getting out of the boat. I need some time to think about it. It's a now question, and you've got to determine, are you hearing God's voice? And please note that God is asking him to do something that he really doesn't want to do. Getting out of the boat does not make logical sense. It's not like God saying, hey, will you come do everything I ever wanted you, uh, that you ever wanted me to do for you? That's not what God's saying. God is doing like he did with, with uh, Noah. He's saying, hey, will you build a boat for me for the next 120 years? He's saying like he said to Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh and I want you to preach to those people because I want to save those people. And Jonah's like, no, I'm not going to preach to them because they might repent and then you're not going to kill them. And I want them dead. See, we, we can't be there. We have to hear the voice of God speaking in everything that's going out. There is that moment, there is that instant when Jesus says jump, and you have to say how high, or you have to start an argument with God about jumping in this particular situation. You've got to decide. Adam and Eve failed at it. The devil came and said, oh, did God really say that? The answer was no. Oh, excuse me, yes. God really did say that. No, I can't eat that. That was the actual answer. But they pondered it as they listened to the wrong voice. They were not listening to Jesus. Noah experienced it when he built a boat. Abraham experienced it when he left his homeland, his people, and his family. Moses experienced it when God asked something of him that he did not want to do. No, I don't want to go back and see Pharaoh. No, I don't want to say, let my people go. No, because I don't speak very well. But let's just be honest, he was a coward and didn't want to do it. So God said, fine, I'll send Aaron with you. And that's what our study is going to be about in our small groups. Get into a small group. Small groups are the core of this church. Don't be shy. Don't be scared. Got to make a commitment. That's a commercial for another day. Samuel experienced it. Elijah and Elisha experienced it. King David experienced it as a shepherd boy. Gideon, Joshua, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, they all experienced it. I believe that we will all experience that spot, that moment, that second when we hear the voice of God say, do this. And we say, that's not really what my plan was. And God said, you're joining my plan. I'm not joining your plan. What's that thing that you hear God ask you to do? Peter's experienced it here in this story. It was a simple, not flamboyant, not ostentatious. It was a direct invitation. Come. Come. The next thing is we have to leave the storms. The storms won't leave us. We found joy in 2020 because we stayed in the storm and we stayed at it. We failed. We failed a couple times. I failed a couple times. I did. I had to repent. I had to ask God for, my forgive, for forgiveness. I had to ask other people for forgiveness. But, but we stayed in the storm. The storm doesn't go away. But we have to be willing to leave the storm. And when I say that we have to be willing to leave the storm, I don't mean that you have to get out of that relationship. You have to necessarily even get out of the boat. It's interesting to me that Jesus made them get in a boat that was heading into a storm, and then in the storm, you've got to get your head and your heart out of the circumstances of everything that's going on around you. 
Stop listening to the voices that are destroying the nation, destroying the country, excuse me, destroying the state, destroying the county, destroying you. Stop listening to the voices and ask God, Lord, what do you want me to do in the midst of all of this? Stop getting distracted by the storms. All the hate on social media. Listen to me. Let me just say this because the Holy Spirit put it in the next, the earlier service. You know how it is. You get behind a keyboard and you start going at it, but nobody sees intonation, body language, or anything. And pretty soon you're projecting on each other because we're not in each other's presence. Pretty soon we're fighting with each other back and forth or we're, we're, we're saying, I know what they're really thinking. I know what's going on there. I know what that is. And pretty soon we're destroying the church. And you know, what, you know why I believe this? Because I've been there and then all of a sudden you're back in somebody's presence and you're sitting with them and you get to have the same discussion and when you're done you're like, oh, I love those people. I love being with them. I love sitting with them. I love talking with them. I'm glad we're doing church together. Churches across the nation are being destroyed because Christian people are not in each other's company. And when they're behind a keyboard, they're just typing words and there's no way to understand what their heart is. That's got to stop right now. Quit it. Go sit down with each other. Put a mask on. Get a cup of coffee. Whatever it takes, but get back into each other's proximity so that we can see that we've been called together to not fight storms, to fight wars, to fight the enemy. Stop looking around at what's going on socially and look at what God's asking you to do locally in your area of influence. In the middle of it all, the disciples had to decide if they're going to leave the storm, they have to trust Jesus. Same thing happened when Jesus was in the boat. Storm came up. He was sleeping in the back. Jesus took charge of the storm. He didn't take them out of it. He took charge of it. The last thing that I want to share with you is we trust Jesus regardless of the rationality of the outcome. We trust Jesus regardless of the rationality of or or the outcome. It doesn't make any difference if Noah's ark floated. It could have sank to the bottom of the ocean as it was rising, and it would have been a success, a success story, and this is why. Because he did what God asked him to do. You're not responsible for the success. The Lord's word will go out, and it will be productive. You're responsible for obedience. Obedience in your homes in obedience to follow Christ in your marriages, in obedience to follow Christ in your workplace. We don't set aside the Word of God because it's not convenient at work. It is incredibly important that we embrace the kingdom of God while we're working. Jesus still wants to meet you and meet me as he opens up relationships with us, but priority and obedience are the goal. Christian, Christian people still do not want to embrace that. There is still an underlying foundation, a false foundation that is not Jesus the Christ, it's not the gospel, that says, I'm the center of God's universe. If he doesn't do what I want, then I don't believe in God. 
there's probably a good chance that he's not doing your, what you want because he is God. And that has to be okay because we follow him. He is a consuming fire. He is God that created us. He is God that said, if, if you're going to sin, then I have to destroy you in hell, but I don't want to destroy you in hell, so I'm going to leave heaven, my rightful place, and I'm going to become Emmanuel, God with you, in the person of Jesus the Christ, the baby, who later became the man, the sacrifice on the cross, who later became the, the resurrected uh, body that nobody could wrap their head around. The power of God to raise the dead. That's what, that's what we're here embracing. Too many people want Jesus, to be, want Jesus to come to them like a waiter. They don't want to go to him like the king of the universe. They don't want to approach God trembling. They want to approach God like Santa Claus. we got to turn that around. This is God. Who, who with a thought could, could take us from the earth, wreck everything that we've planned, or dreamed of, or want. This is God who has every right to say, I will not abide sin in my presence, and yet became sin for us. I'm telling you, if you want to get out of the boat in 2021, if you want to see your marriage, if you want to see your finances, if you want to see these things change, then step one is going to be to hear his voice. What is he saying to you? Because I promise it's not go sin. It's not go get drunk. It's not go sleep with somebody else's wife. It's not leave your husband. It's not steal from your uh, boss. It's not that. God is not going to tell you to go sin. He's going to forgive you and say, let's start over, but let's not do that anymore. Let's work at that. We've got to hear his voice. Number two is you've got to get out of the boat. You've got to leave something. And it's not always geography. It might be the people that you run with that are dragging you down. It might be the people that you run with that really love you and want to party with you. They just don't want to see you chasing Jesus because it will, it will make them feel convicted about the way they're living. We don't have to throw rocks at anybody. But it's an invitation to come away from that kind of a lifestyle where we ignore God until Sunday morning. And step three is you've got to focus. Where is Jesus in your storm? Where is Jesus in your life? Where, where is he? Where is he? What is he saying come to you? What is he saying that about? And where is he? Is, is it about something you're going through? Is it about your fears? Is it, is it about your fears? And not just this COVID thing. Just your fears of starting over, your fears of going to college as a 50-year-old, your, your fears of getting a new job, your fears of being willing to let somebody in your heart because it's hardened up because of the way you've been treated, your fears of doing things God's way, your fears of tithing, your fear, fears of giving, your fears of getting involved, your fears of being in a small group. Is that your storm? Because I can tell you it's going to be through one of those type of things that scares you to death like get out of the boat that gets you out of the boat into the presence of Jesus that's where we want to be in the presence of Jesus but he's, he's in the storm he's out there in the storm man what's making it hard for you as you enter 2021 is the storm too big is the storm too big is the sky too dark 
Is the water too scary? You've been rowing and rowing and rowing and the water is so scary. This is the kind of water that sinks us to the bottom of this sea. Or are you still wondering if Jesus is a ghost getting ready to pass you by and he really doesn't care because he cares. If 2021 is going to be different, then you have to change. I have to change. We have to do something different than what we're doing right now. And I think that's yield to the voice of God when he says, come. Come and find a therapist to get help for what you've been through. Come and find a therapist to get help for what you're facing. Come to to find a small group to surround you and pray for you. Come and be honest about some besetting sin you can't let go of. Come and don't feel like you have to be perfect before you walk into the presence of God. He who loves you gives you the right to come boldly before the throne of grace to find help in your time of need. That's what Scripture says. Come boldly. John F. Kennedy was on national television with a Saudi Arabian prince and his little son at two or three years of age toddled right out in front of the camera. You know what he did? He didn't punish him. He picked him up, hugged him, talked to him for a second, told him he was talking to a man that he needed to have the conversation with, and then sent him off to the side. Think of God that way when you think of God. When you toddle out there where you don't belong, he's going to put his arms around you and pick you up and say, no, 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 no. We're doing something together. Let's go this way. And give him a chance to be God, not your step and fetch it, boy. He is God. And he loves you. And he wants 2021 to rock your world. Even if what's going on around us does not slow down, we can choose to focus on Jesus and walk out to where he is. That's what this is all about. Let's pray. God, who is God in heaven, we thank you and praise you for this morning. We thank you for a word, a relevant word, apples of gold in bowls of silver, spoken at an apt time, an appropriate time, God, where we've been invited to get out of the boat. We've been invited to dream about our part in your kingdom and our relationship to you there's a place if we get off the throne that you can make things better and we can continue to move forward as a church God I say come Holy Spirit as an individual I say come Holy Spirit 2021 is a gift from you Lord not a curse thank you that we have left that year behind and it's done now Lord open up our hearts and our eyes and give us a hunger for you in Jesus holy name We're going to go into our closing song anytime during this song that you would like to. There are people out there at the tables that would like to pray for you that are at appropriate distance. You don't have to yell and scream. Those of you that are at home that are watching that are with us and we're trying to close the gap, you can go to vineyardrichem.com. Down in the lower right-hand corner, there's a little green button that says chat. If you click that, there's a live person there. And they want to talk with you and they want to pray with you. And you don't have to tell them any more than what you'd like to share with them. But we want to pray with you going into your 2021. That's what we'd like to do. 
Let's get up to our feet and let's worship. Let's wrap this up.